Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. And today we are joined by Faye McLean. Faye has been an entrepreneur since she was in her early 20s, founding several successful enterprises before moving to the executive management of a multi-million dollar business. Now she shares her business and marketing savvy, as well as her self-improvement skills through blogging, coaching, and consulting with clients from all around the world. She is committed to her own continuing education and has participated in some of the most prestigious and rigorous self-improvement, marketing, and business training programs available today with mentors who are global leaders in their field. Faye's passion is to help more people live a life they love. She inspires, motivates, and supports women in midlife to find more meaning, money, and freedom at this point in their life, and to live fully alive. Faye has been selected as one of 55 entrepreneurial women from all over the world as a contributing author to The Law of Attraction in Action, Volume 3. She has shared the virtual stage with the amazing Bob Proctor and has business articles widely published all over the internet and on media sites. In addition, she has qualifications as a master results coach, is certified in neuro-linguistic programming, and business performance. Faye has been involved in self-improvement, health and wellness her whole life, and has trained and competed in numerous triathlons, including the grueling and demanding Half Ironman. Faye lives and works in beautiful Albany, Western Australia, from her office overlooking the Southern Ocean. And during the interview, we discuss neuro-linguistic programming and what that is, who Faye helps, connecting with our inner child, the importance of journaling, visualization, and meditation, how Elrod's Miracle Morning and the SAVERS acronym, the power of the subconscious mind, what is meditation, Faye's entrepreneurial journey, why competition is a good thing when it comes to business how she created a soul-sucking business and what she did about that, how our beliefs shape our reality, and much more. Now, at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com slash podcasts, don't forget the S, where you can find the show notes plus links to Faye's website. And now, if you enjoy the episode, make sure that you subscribe so you are always the first to know when each episode is released. And thank you so much for your reviews on Apple and wherever you get your podcast. Now, let's go to the interview with Faye. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. Hey, Faye, thanks so much for joining the menopause movement podcast. I'm glad to have you here. And Thanks, Michelle. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah, this is great. So I read that you are a master NLP practitioner. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> I did my training with um, a very, very well-renowned practitioner and uh, several years ago. And so it's a great skill, Michelle. It's a great skill and we can integrate it into, you know, our life in so many ways. And uh, obviously it helps us to help other people as well to recognise what's going on in our life. So very interesting skill to have up your belt. I can yeah, uh, you, yeah drop, drop someone into hypnosis <laughs> if needs be. <laughs> yeah. So did you study Bandler or did you study Bandler and Grinder or did you study some of the more recent people like Diltz and... Um, Badland Grinder, yes, so um, quite a broad spectrum. It was uh, an operation run by Christopher Howard Training Academy and uh, he was operating some classes worldwide. So, uh, yeah, I went and he fortunately came to Sydney and did that with a whole bunch of fun people. There's a book called Transform Transformational NLP, A New Psychology, that I've been reading by Carl Ah. Okay, and Ellie Shambler. This is the book. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I've been I've been reading that. It's it's fascinating stuff. And you know what I really like about about the the NLP is it helps with coaching. So it helps to get people to have some transformations without like forcing them yeah. to, to make them change their minds. You know, that it comes out of them themselves. 
It does. It's all all about asking the right questions. Right, right. There's yeah. a there's a, a technique that we learn in medicine if you're advanced enough called uh, motivational interviewing, and I think NLP uh-huh. is a lot like that. It's uh, yeah. Um, it's interesting when you when you have these skills and you are talking with you know, different people and often now in, in our line of work, it's sort of clients or, you know, community members and things like that and you can pick up, you know, whether or not somebody is towards motivated or away motivated and what's interesting is that, you know, even people can utilise these skills to help their kids to clean up their bedrooms, you know, or, or realise why they're having such a hard time getting their kids to clean up their bedrooms if they're, in fact, speaking to them in the way that the child is not motivated. Yeah, that's something that I learned a lot when, when I started learning about motivational interviewing and and realising that, if if you can, you know, with my son, my son has special needs and, and, and to get him to do stuff. I mean, nobody wants to be told what to do ever, but in, in the people that were, he, he lives in an assisted living facility and he's very opinionated. And so in getting people to work with him, I say, listen, you can't tell him what to do. It's got to come from him. Mm-hmm. And you have, there's a certain way that you have to talk to him or else you're never, you're never going to get anywhere with him. And that was that was pretty good. So, I, tell tell us a little bit about your business and what you do. Well, currently I'm working with I call them thriving mamas. So you know, women who are very much fall into that similar age range of you know those who are also menopausal, anything from sort of forty to you know sixty plus. Having said that, with regards to the menopause, we know that you know they're able to strike that uh, that moment in time much before that on some occasions. But, um, you know, in that midlife range, what I find from most people is that they say, you know, often the kids have grown up or, you know, they've got less responsibilities as far as the family go. And sometimes women are just lost. They're, they're just lost and they, they kind of have spent all their life giving to other people and then they're like, well, what is it that I really want to do? I have this time to myself but I really don't know what I enjoy anymore. I don't know what I want to do anymore. And so helping them to redis- rediscover is the word that a lot of them use, you know, rediscover, reignite, you know, remember that inner child that they used to, be that you know used to have fun and and used to be happy and used to find joy in their life and to to help them do that again so how do you how do you help people reconnect with their inner child well a lot of it is around you know exercises around rediscovery around you know what journaling you know we use a lot of facilitating with journaling and meditation and visualization you know these are a lot of techniques that allow people just to have some peaceful time and I think that's really what women need is to do this is to have some peaceful time to themselves where they actually get to reflect and reflect in a completely non-judgmental or non-expectational way so whatever comes out is okay and then to be able to sort of look at that and, you know, assess that and, and find the things that make them happy. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's really funny that, you know, we see what, one of the things that comes up over and over and over with, with women who come through my, my membership or who answer one of my surveys is, you know, I don't recognize myself. I feel like yeah. an alien has beamed down and taken yeah. control in my body, you know, control of my body. And, and where did this like teenager mood come from? Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so what do you do to address some of those identity crises? You know, that, that's, again, the, the journaling is a big thing. It, it's a really big tool. If anybody has done any sort of personal development or self-development, they've probably gone through some kind of writing exercise. and that's where, you know, we have some prompts that we can help people to, uh, you know, prompt them as to what to sort of ask themselves to, to be able to then write. 
But the journaling really, Michelle, is one of the biggest self-healing tools to help that. Um, It's where you can just, you know, write down anything and everything and, you know, where did that person go? You know, why do I feel frumpy? Why, you know, why don't I wake up, you know, happy? And, you know, why is, what is it that I actually love to do? And that sort of thing. And all of these things can be addressed so easily through consistent and regular journaling exercises. Yeah. So have you read uh, Hal Elrod's book, The Miracle Morning? Yes. So, yes. you know, he in, in The Miracle Morning, he talks about, a, and I was just teaching this um, on, my, on my, I do a Facebook Live every Monday at 8 a.m. And I taught this, uh, it was either this week or last week, I can't remember, but um, but he has a, an acronym, it's called SAVERS, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to just go through it real quick because it's a really, what, what I love, I mean, I, I recommend everybody get Hal Elrod's book because he, he talks about how, how his whole miracle morning process, the evolution of it, right? And, and I did this for a long time and then I got away from it and I don't know why. And I was just at a conference where he spoke and, and I've kind of gotten back to getting up early in the morning again. I think maybe I just got lazy. But um, (laughs) so the saver stands, the S is for silence, the A is for affirmation, the V is for visualization, the E is for exercise. And oftentimes he says the exercise, he'll use it just to get the blood going if he starts falling asleep when he tries to uh, do the silent part, which is meditation. The R is for reading and the S is for scribing or writing. And what, what is really interesting about this is that even if you're doing 10 minutes of each of these, that's just an hour every morning. And what many people have found is that when they get into this sort of a routine, their productivity really increases. And I know that for me, like just, just doing the, the 10 minutes of meditation, that was back when I wasn't really a meditator, changed, changed everything for me. And then I kind of let go of my goals and went back to doing something else and kind of let it go. But what's really interesting for me is when I look back at, the affirmations that I had back then, a lot of those things are coming true now. And, yeah. and what's, what's really fascinating about this, so we're talking about five years ago. And what I, what I love about our brain is that if you give the subconscious mind something to do, it's going to make it happen. It's going to make it happen yes. even if you told it that 10 years ago. Yeah. Or yeah. in my case, you know, I the think, reason why I'm a yeah. doctor. That that sort of, you know, savers uh, routine, that is absolutely what I, you know, subscribe to. And it's it's what I encourage, you know, all the people that I connect with to to find some part of that. And, you know, as you know, with the NLP background, our subconscious mind is so powerful and this is where, you know, we need to be, saying, thinking, writing positive belief statements around whatever it is that we want to be achieving or being the person that we want to be um, in order to overcome some of the challenges that we face and to live the life that we want to live. And that's important to do even if we don't think it can be possible yet you know you have to sort of just you you have to reach a point where you're willing to you know trust in the process it's like trusting someone when you go in for surgery or trusting someone when you are about to you know maybe step off a cliff and you know go hand gliding or something (laughs) you don't need to know all the technicalities you just have to trust the system or the process that it is going to work out and and that is exactly you know what I the place that I encourage people to get to so you're right everybody needs to you know read that book and and see that routine and I think sometimes people get hooked up on a few parts of that when we talk about meditation it's important for people to understand that you know meditation is actually whatever it is to them sometimes people go I don't know how to meditate oh I couldn't sit and let my brain go quiet or but when people are starting out that doesn't matter you know meditation is whatever it is to that person it might be going and just sitting on the beach for five minutes it might be sitting on you know it might be for somebody just literally wandering around their garden you know pruning their roses or pulling the weeds and and without realizing it they're actually in this sort of 
entrancing, calming state. So I encourage people not to get hooked up around the technical terms of all of those uh, tasks or, you know, pieces to that morning routine and, um, and let some of it come with flow. Absolutely. Well, the thing about meditation I think is really interesting is that, is that we have, in, in the Western world at least, this thought that meditation has to be a blank mind and that, that mm-hmm. the thoughts can't happen. But, but one of the things I like to tell my members is that the job of the brain is to think. That's its job. And so our, our job in training it is to let the thoughts come, just not dwell on them. So that mm-hmm. when things happen, and they inevitably will, we think everything's great and then something happens, then we are able to control kind of our mind and make friends with that voice in our head. You know, kind of the Michael Singer That's way. That's right. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and yeah. again, these, the exercises like the, the silence, the affirmations, the visualization, the scribing, it's also, like you say, the thoughts come and, and let them go. As, and it's the same with people are journaling, to just be able to write and not, not question why you're thinking that thought or uh, not judging the thought that is coming through, but simply to allow it to be and then allow it to, to, to release again. Yeah, I had a, about, I don't know, I would say about eight or nine years ago, I, di- I did this exercise where every morning when I woke up, I just wrote three pages in, in one of these, mm-hmm. uh, let me see if I got it here, something about, about this size right here. And, and I would just, you know, so here's the, I would write three pages in, in this every single morning. And um, just, and it was a time that was really very tumultuous in my life. And, and I found that, that the journaling in that, really helped me to just work through the emotion of I was going through like a lot of rejection and stuff with my work and and um and just identity issues and stuff and so so just just doing the journaling really really did help um I think you know like Stephen Pressfield likes to say I mean you just you just got to do the work yeah, you know, you yeah. have to sit down and do it every day. I mean, it's not easy. You know, if if you want to be a writer, the, the you got to write. You can't say I'm mm-hmm. an aspiring writer. I mean, you you got to write. You know, I think I think Elizabeth, um, and, what's her name, says something about it in the book Big Magic, and she talks uh-huh. about about how she just loved the crack. I can't. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. What's her last name? Gilbert. G- thank you. Yes, Elizabeth Gilbert. Gilbert. Yeah, and so, so she talks in that book about about being a student of the craft and just just writing you know whatever but anyway and, and I think you, you struck a good point there Michelle is that you know people sometimes people will want something different or they you know they want they, they don't they, you know you say that your members say they've you know don't recognize themselves and things like that and so they need to understand that that is going to take work to to get a result from that you know if they want something different than what we currently have then we need to be prepared to do something around that and you know those who sort of say well I want life to be better I want to you know refine myself and um, but aren't prepared to do the steps then obviously no work no gain that's true. That's true. Now, I, I did read in your biography, you said that you're a serial entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> so let's, let's hear a little bit about that. Well, without sort of like too long a story, I guess, uh, even when, when I was first married with my husband, we were living on a farm and um, we had very little cash flow but plenty of flexibility. But I think it was just the first time I got into business actually was to as a business owner we understand that you know if you're in business you're generally providing a solution so at the time I was very overweight and I was a young mum struggling to lose weight and I reached out to a company that was um, well renowned and they weren't operating in the town that I was living in which was quite a small town so at first I was a bit bummed about that and then they said well hey look if you have an interest why don't you know you open up your own 
little clinic there. And so I thought, oh, okay. And I'm always one to kind of quickly list down, you know, the pros, the cons, the worst case scenarios, and what could be the benefit. And I thought, well, worst case scenario is, you know, there, were, there weren't many. So uh, I went ahead with that. And so as a young mum with kids at home, I was able to open up this business where I ended up having 120 women that would come every week and we kind of travelled that journey together and, you know, I was losing weight following a really good balanced eating plan and they, you know, I was encouraging them and I was working with them on exercise and things like that. And so that was that was really the start and it was just fantastic. We had such great results all round. And then I moved on and took out a created a beauty practice I uh, took my diploma in beauty therapy and that kind of came about because somebody needed some treatment again in the little town where we were and there weren't many there weren't any other facilitators for this product or, ser- or for these services and it was a very rural town and so I said to my niece look go and get someone else to do that for you and she's like look there's no one else and so I went oh okay well so where do people go when they want you know, this eyelash tint or, you know, leg wax or facial or whatever it might be. And so there was no options around. And so I went, okay, what's the worst case scario? The worst case scenario is I spend $3,000 and I study and I get the diploma and I do the lot. So long story short, I opened up a salon in this uh, small town where I was able to flexibility and yeah, lifestyle has always been really big for me. So I was able to work that around my kids who now, by now we're growing a little bit and uh, had a great practice there, set us up very, very well financially for our future. And so this sort of started, I guess, the beginning of the whole journey of helping people to feel good about themselves in some shape or form, you know, and I didn't realise that at the time until I reflected back and went, you know what, I've been on this journey of helping people to, you know, feel good, look better, feel confident around themselves for a long time. Then... Um, There was a short period where I was enticed into the corporate world and I absolutely loved that as well. And that was a sort of a Wait, wait, wait. Yes. You're a serial entrepreneur and you could work for somebody else. Well, I did. (laughs) Because, because, you know, Um, for me, most entrepreneurs I know are fundamentally unemployable. And and I am one of those. I, I cannot work for anyone else. I have to do my own thing. Well, I'm definitely, you know, at that point now. This was this again. It came about by accident, Michelle. I'm a very, I'm a pretty competitive person, and there was this position advertised in a new private school that had been built and was running, and our children were actually attending the school, and a friend that had come back from travelling said, "Oh, there's this job there." And I'm, she's, she was going to apply for it. And I kind of went, what? Like, you think you can get that job? You must be crazy. Like, if you think you get that job, I think I can get that job. I want to see if I can get the job. So I actually applied for the job from a competitive perspective and went through the processes and I bluffed my way through the whole thing. They wanted somebody to do data work and technical work and set up this school reporting system and everything. And I'm there going, yeah, I can do that. And I figured if they needed somebody to set it up from scratch, I was pretty switched on. I could read a manual and implement things as well as anybody. So I figured I could do it anyway long story short I ended up getting the job ahead of my friend and so when I got Didn't the job then I kind of came home no we got there <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> when I got the job I sort of then came home and I said to Mary well I didn't actually want the job I just wanted to get the job <laughs> now I have to figure if I'm actually going to take the job because I didn't want the job I just wanted to get it. And so it was just that competitive stuff. Anyway, because it was where the kids were and it gave its discount on our school fees and stuff like that, I decided to do it. 
and ended up actually loving the challenge because I was very much in control of creating, you know, nobody else was controlling what I was doing. In fact, it was the other way around, you know, I needed to coordinate and manage everybody else. So it fit my profile really well. And I moved up through the ranks there and ended up sort of becoming one of the top executives in the um, in the whole school uh, organisation there. And then it did. It reached the point where, oh, my God, I can't go to the gym when I want to go to the gym. I can't get my hair cut when I want to get my hair cut. I, you know, I, I'd lost the flexibility that I, you know, it is so such a high value for me. And so it was at that point that I, you know, pulled the pin and decided to walk away from that after being there, I think, seven years I actually was there. So then I went back into business for myself from there. So this is really interesting because a lot of times people who go to open their own business don't necessarily start it with the end in mind. And then they end mm -hmm. up with, you know, some sort of a Franken business where, where it really owns them. So how do you recommend yes. then that somebody, you know, if somebody's coming to you for some help with entrepreneurship, uh, for example, how do you recommend that they go go ahead and, and, and right now the easiest way to start a business is to do something online, right? It's not necessarily, it's the easiest way to start. It's not necessarily the easiest way to get going because there's a lot of pieces yeah. that go into that. But what what kinds of questions do you think that someone should answer? Let's, let's, let's just uh, focus on females right now because we're, you know, it's the menopause movement podcast and we're talking to menopausal women and, and somebody who's, you know, decided that it's time for her to, you know, she's always wanted to start a business and has always had this great idea. How does she go about, you know, vetting it and making things kind of work? Yeah, good question. There are there are sort of like two or three pieces to that, and the first one is for some, I always say to somebody, just list down all the things that you really love, all the things that you enjoy that you have an interest in. Um, you know, that could be anything from gardening to crocheting to you know kite flying to to medicine to all kinds of things. So list down everything that you enjoy doing then take a look at of those things you know what are the things that you could talk about in your sleep the types of things where friends might go oh will you just stop talking about that again please you know I don't want to hear how you get your chooks to lay brown eggs instead of white eggs or mm -hmm. you know I don't just I have no um, idea how to do that <laughs> you know, pet training, all kinds of things. If somebody is really passionate about something, often it will drive other people nuts because they'll talk about it all the time. So right. that's a good indicator. So, you know, which of those things could you, you know, talk about or do or tell somebody else about almost in your sleep? And then also to look at, you know, what is there a market for? Somebody may love underwater basket weaving, but there may not be a terrific market for people who want to learn underwater basket weaving. And uh, sometimes people are looking for something where there no one else is doing it, you know, oh, well, none of the things I like, you know, everybody else is already doing it. And that's actually a good thing. That tells you that there's a market for that. So from a research perspective, you know, uh, competition is a good thing. So looking at the the sort of the Venn diagram, if you were, to say, well, what are you passionate about? What is there a market for? And what is it that you could easily do and teach other people about? And, you know, where is that that sweet spot in the middle of that? And, you know, that's a good place to start. That's great. And and is part of one of one of your businesses is helping people get businesses off the ground or is it is it attracting clients? What's the Yeah, helping people sort of you know, take what we've just talked about, you know, a little further and actually look at what that looks like. Because for me, I've mentioned it a few times, I think, and you know, you you said too, that we don't want our business to own us. So going back to what we mentioned earlier, do we have to put in the work to actually, you know, implement and, and create 
a lifestyle and a business that we can get reward from both financially and emotionally. Um, yes, there is a lot of work, but is that worth work worth it? Yes, it is. So also helping them to look at, you know, the pieces that work well and what, you know, where what fits into that sweet spot and then how do we actually extract that, you know, what kind of next steps are there to looking at what might people be interested in as far as products go, how are you going to market that business, what do you need. You know, it's a big myth now that, you know, sometimes people will spend thousands of dollars thinking that they need, you know, this fancy-dancy website and everything in order to get a business up and running, whereas, in fact, that's not the case. So, absolutely, that's part of that process that I work with people on is when they're in that rediscovery they'll often think, well, you know, it's time to do something for me. And, you know, there are a lot of women who want to give back and help other people to, uh, often for midlife women, is to help yeah. other people avoid the the trauma or the drama or the challenges that they've overcome themselves and to try to support other people through that. You know, we often say our mess is our message <laughs> and so, you know, getting down to what is the message that they have for other people. So that is, yes, a, a part that I love working with people on is helping them develop to develop a business uh, income stream if that's something that they're enticed to. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. You know, and, and the reason why I started this whole thing, the menopause movement, the menopause movement membership, the the course uh, called the Minnow System, was because I found menopause to be really hard. And when I um, when I went looking for help, all of the stuff. I mean, there's there's a lot of information. There's a lot of free information out there. Mm -hmm. The problem is mm -hmm. is that it's it's disjointed and it's not organized in a way that makes sense. And so I, yeah. I was like, I, I was like, what's happening to me? This is what I did. You know, I was like in my 40s, my late 40s. And I was like, what is happening to me? And it's like, I was getting hot. And then I was moody. And, and, and so I started doing, I asked my friends, right? And they said, Oh, yeah, you know, it's just menopause, and it's going to end. And then I gained a bunch like 50 pounds. And they're like, Oh, you just got to wait for menopause to end, and it's going to go away. And I was like, Uh, uh I'm not going to wait for this. And so like, I did a whole bunch of research. And then I put together this program. And that's kind of where we are now. But, um, you know, when you talk about building a business, I think, I think, you know, you talk about writing a list of what you're really good at. But I think also when, when you're getting ready to start a business, especially if it's your first business or maybe even a practice business, one thing to think about is what are your, what are your non-negotiables, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of life do yeah. you want? Do you want to be able to go, you know, for a run at three o'clock in the afternoon every day? Mm -hmm. that's absolutely true and that's you know taking those pieces and saying yes what it, it's starting almost with that end in mind otherwise like you mentioned before you you end up with a business that is just sucking and dragging you down and it's very easy to sort of look and go oh my god like what what do I have here this is not what I intended my life to be you know I was after more freedom more flexibility not being tired and in fact I experienced that not all that long ago when I'd had a break from running my business I was taking care of my husband while he went through a very ill patch and so I needed to put everything on hold and off to the side. And whilst I was watching, you know, the online world from the sidelines, I wasn't actively participating in it for probably a period of, um, you know, three or four years. And in the online world, that can actually be a long time. You know, That's a, a long lot time. happens yeah. um, in as far as uh, strategies and, and uh, technic technical, you know, how to use different platforms. And so when I came back, I was kind of looking for the easy street and I thought, you know, and I actually had, I had a different focus and I just wanted to make some money. And so I'm like, okay, what's going to make me some money, you know, really fast, really quick, really easily. And I decided to take up a model where I was generating leads for other people so I could get the work outsourced. In fact, a step back before that, I was doing Facebook advertising. So I could do the Facebook advertising 
and, you know, get paid really well and that was going to get leads for businesses. And so I did that and I did that for quite a while and I was also doing search engine optimization work at the same time and with the SEO I would outsource it and then be the, the conduit between the client and the results. But what I found with the Facebook advertising in particular was that suddenly I I had this business where I had my head in the back end of Facebook all day, every day, for more hours every day than I ever should have. And because if you are doing Facebook advertising at a really high level, and you you know every tweak makes a big difference and when you're playing with somebody else's money then you know it's even more pressurizing so we were constantly um, watching you know click prices and and conversion rates and and if something wasn't working creating a new ad and testing that and and it was getting really complex and I just sat there one day and I went oh my god like <laughs> I have money in my bank but I hate my life right now I hate where I'm at I was doing something that was so soul sucking there was no passion in it there was no joy in it there was no fun in it but it was deriving money and I just went whoa <laughs> and uh and I took a massive step back from that and uh and that's kind of almost you know what what then led me into uh starting to do more writing online and and working through uh going back and that's when I sort of reassessed and said hang on who, what do I really want to be doing? And, you know, time had passed for myself. That five or six years had passed. So suddenly instead of being 45, I was now over 50. So I was in a different time of life. And so that's that's where I met, you know, my, my current position where I went, you know what, I want to help other people that are yeah. in that midlife area to, you know, make sure that when one of the things that I, I get desperately sad about is when I see and hear people who are stuck in jobs that they absolutely hate and they think that there's no other way out and so I thought you know I have to grab these women who are you know 45 plus who feel that they are just going through the motions you know it's a long time to be stuck in a job waiting for retirement when you're only 45, you know. Sure there can be so much fun and so much enjoyment and so much passion that you can experience if you choose to, you know, perhaps take a different path. And so, you know, I realised I wanted to reach out to women who maybe are thinking that and just don't get stuck, you know, don't get stuck yeah. thinking that that's all there is. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's definitely something that we see in midlife a lot where, you know, life has kind of passed us by or, or you know, we kids are grown and out of the house and now all of a sudden I'm like, you know, okay, is this all there is? And and we get we do get to, at least the people, you know, I think my audience, the people who are attracted to me have also experienced some sort of a an existential crisis in the same way I did. And you know, my story is that I finished my surgical residency. I was 40 years old when I finished it. So I started medical school late and it took me, you know, it's, it's uh, four years of medical school and then five years of residency and 40 years old, I just finished. And I started my practice and I was so excited. You know, I had some support from the hospital. I started to practice, making a lot of money. And I was sitting in my office one day and I was like, well, is this all there is? I mean, yeah, I'm making money, but, and I can travel, but eh. What is this other? What, what? And that sent me down, you know, the spiritual path, and and so I mean, I think the biggest the biggest thing for me, the biggest change, and this has come in the last two years, has been to develop a real spiritual practice because the spiritual practice is, you know, that's where the meaning is, and in, in life, at least for me, that's what my belief is. And so through meditation and study, and you know, I tell I tell my my people in the mornings all the time. I talk about this guy. You know this this uh, Yogananda guy, and these are his uh, the lessons you can get them from his. Uh, you know you can you can order them. They'll mail them to you every two weeks, and it's just like 90, 90 bucks for for twelve weeks of or tw not twelve. It's like twenty lessons or something, but they come every two weeks, and it's it's a spiritual path, right? And it's helped me a lot to find meaning and to 
kind of discover metaphysics all over again. So, I mean, if you're super religious, you know, especially if you're a Christian, you may not agree with this, but as a as somebody who is kind of a former, say, former churchy person, I've been able to open my mind quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, and and I think I'm in the same boat as you. I sort of, you know, came across the the aspects of, you know, the spiritual learnings and things like that. And it's just so powerful. It's 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 so powerful and um, I think we, we all have some higher self and, you know, for people, different people, they call it someone different, something different. Um, but there's no doubt that, you know, there is an energy outside of us that, you know, we, we all have there that's, you know, guiding us and, and helping us along the path that we want to follow. And uh, sometimes it's just about having the courage to, like I said, actually accept that or reach out and trust the process again. It's it's a very trusting process and I think it just all starts with somebody having a desire, you know, somebody being open to to what, what else is there. Yeah. I mean, there is a whole process involved in, in everything, right, and in, in trying to find meaning in, in midlife, um, you know, there there's there's a process to that and and i think that you know somebody can come to you to to kind of get an idea of maybe you know do you have an assessment or what do you what do you do um i most things that i've done at this point have just been fairly individual um you know based on different people's individual circumstances and needs and things like that. But as with everything, there's, you know, there's usually a process and, you know, talking about historical events and, and you know, looking future and, and what the family is like and things like that. So there's okay. definitely a process to, to go through. Um, but, of course, everybody's story is a little different. Everybody has a different story. And, you know, I, I like to talk to, you know, I talk to the members, my members a lot and people in the menopause movement membership about how, how our beliefs shape our reality. And mm -hmm. you can have a belief that you, that you created age three, that's still shaping your reality now. And um, the best example I have of that is I'm a doctor because of a belief I created at age five. And I realized this about two months ago and it was a, uh, you know, to make a long story short, I won't go into the whole thing, but um, my mom, my mom's brother and uh, brother-in-law were both doctors and she made some sort of a statement that said, those guys are rich. And so what my five-year-old mind was, translated was, I can't make money unless I'm a doctor. And uh -huh. so I went through my life and I, I had rejected being a doctor until I took a trig class in college when I was in, in junior college and I like high scored it and I was like, Oh, I'm smart. Okay. I can be a doctor. And I started taking all the science and stuff. And then I ended up going to, you know, pretty prestigious college. And then I went to medical school and here I was, you know, so this is two, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like this. I, I have this epiphany that, Oh my God, I didn't design my life of my five-year-old self designed my life. And that's just goes uh -huh. back to the power of the subconscious mind. And so yes. it's, it's, it's just a very interesting story. Um, and, and the fact that beliefs that we, that we develop in, as children can affect us throughout our whole lives. And so it's important to look at every belief we have and see if they're serving us. You're so right. And, you know, that's one of the big pieces that um, I would say everyone. I don't think there's an exception. You know, everybody needs to work on. And I don't think that work ever stops either. You know, I think if we reach a point where we think, oh, I've got it all sorted out, I've taken care of all my, you know, background and history and things like that, then, you know, that's probably a, you know, false belief right there. <laughs> but that's, that is definitely, you know, where I think women reach that point where they've, generally been you know so busy so you know you go through teenagehood you go through you know life as in your early 20s you know everything is very happening very fast and it's and it's very um moving and things like that and it's not until almost that opportunity for silence and stillness comes when maybe the nest is empty uh or there's a little more time and 
this person starts going, oh, and the result of them wondering what else is there in life mm-hmm. will immediately be answered based on their historical beliefs or their belief patterns. And so that's when that's sort of the point where they often need the work to break through those to actually realise and and gain the confidence that they do deserve something different. They do have the ability to, to do something different. We can rebuild confidence in them. You know, a lot of women have lost their own self-confidence and their own self worth at that point in life and and it just needs to be refound and reignited and generally that work happens through trying to help them break belief patterns that they've they've been holding on to well this is a real message of hope i think and if if you're still watching this video um and and listening to the podcast thanks so much for continuing to listen and uh Faye has a real message of hope that um if you're not if you're not uh, feeling too good about yourself, that there is hope on the other side of that. So where can oh, people find always. you? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, right now the best place to hook up is to come over to our Facebook community, which is Thriving Midlife Mamas, and uh, that's a great place to start. And hopefully uh, very soon I'll be launching the new website, which will be www.thriving.com v t h e midlife itch i t c h that's great dot com midlife itch and right. um yeah i i thought that was pretty apt because it's a you know people say talk about the seven year itch within marriage and things like yeah. that and and i thought well you know what people get to midlife and that they, they they do just they just have this restlessness around them and they they don't know where to settle you know they they have this restlessness and and they're often ready for some kind of change or happening and Mm. um and ready for that next you know bright adventure that that is uh that is still in front of them yeah that's really interesting because it's kind of like you know even where i am as a surgeon i i'm a surgeon and i can fix almost anything you know from a computer to a hernia but it's not I mean, I'm good at it and I like it, but I don't love it anymore. And that's kind of like, I like doing this and I love, I love seeing the changes that happen as people, you know, women go through my program and go through the membership. And it's like, they have these, you know, we go from, from being in in minnow misery to becoming a minnow mate to having a minnow makeover. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, and it's, it's really, it's really pretty amazing. And, you know, and, and the minnow mates kind of, they, they, they call themselves that. That was the, that's the, the word that they, they came up with. And whenever we have our coaching calls, they call them Zoom-ins. And so, <laughs> and so that's just part of the community. So, um, all right. Well, this is great. If you have any questions for Faye, make sure you send an email to me, Dr. Michelle Gordon, uh, drgordon at menopausemovement.com. And uh, I'll make sure that we can bring her back and ask her any of these questions. So thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement podcast today, Faye. I really appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. It's so, so, just so really, really encouraging to, you know, find communities that are supporting people who need us. It's it's just great. So you're offering a fabulous membership there and it's going to continue to thrive for you. I know that. Uh, That's great. Hi, my name is Amanda. I am 54 years old and I live in the UK. At this moment in time, I'm in a fairly good place in my life. Recently, I've lost 18 pounds and I feel healthier and more content than I have done in a long time. However, it hasn't always been this way. Back in October 2011, I had an accident which resulted in a serious injury and surgery and subsequently changed my life forever. And over the next few years during my recovery, menopause crept up on me, but I didn't realise what was happening straight away. I started suffering from more joint pain. I went from always being cold to feeling like I was going to internally combust several times a day. I was getting really forgetful. My sleep pattern was terrible. I piled the weight on and looked pregnant and I felt angry all the time. When things were at their worst, I felt incredibly alone and very down. I lost my confidence and self-worth and I felt completely misunderstood and confused about what was happening to me. 
I received very little support or information from my GP, and there was limited information on the internet, but what I really wanted and needed was someone to talk to. The turning point for me was at the beginning of July 2019, when completely by accident, I came across Dr. Michelle Gordon's Facebook page on the menopause movement. At that time, she was doing daily live streams, and I started listening to them. I related to a lot of what she was saying, and I was really interested in the variety of topics about menopause that she was talking about, the alternative ways to manage menopause symptoms in a more natural way, and how your mindset is the key factor to transforming your life more positively. I was also really interested to listen to the other ladies in the group and what they had to say. Ladies who had been or were still suffering from similar symptoms to me. How a lot of them have been able to manage their symptoms much better and how they have turned their lives around and embraced menopause instead of treating it like a demon. Although nervous about taking a risk to join a group I didn't know, I knew that I couldn't and didn't want to carry on living my life the way I was and feeling the way I was feeling. So I made a decision that I too wanted to learn more about menopause, how to manage my symptoms better, and most importantly, learn more about my mindset and the fact that I needed help with changing my outlook on life in order for me to get it back. Life is nowhere near perfect and some days I still have my struggles, but on the whole, I can honestly say that I am in a much better place than I have been for a long time. And for my down days, I understand better how to manage them so they don't get out of hand. I am now on a journey with a fantastic community of like-minded women, all of whom continue to support each other no matter where we all live, and I no longer feel confused, misunderstood, worthless or alone. For me, this group has been both a lifesaver and a life changer, and most importantly, the one-to-one -one private coaching sessions that are available with Dr Gordon as part of the membership have been invaluable to me. They provide me with an opportunity to discuss more difficult and private issues that I am struggling with and an opportunity to find solutions to address them. Without doubt, I can wholeheartedly say that I owe Dr Gordon and her group everything for showing me how to take my life back and, more importantly, take control of it. Joining her membership has been the best thing that I have ever done. However, this course is not for everyone. If you're looking for a quick fix that doesn't cost you any time, money or effort, then this is not the group for you. But if you're in a similar situation to how I was not that long ago, feeling desperate and at the end of your tether, but are willing to invest in your own future happiness and peace of mind, but are unsure as to what to do, ask questions and talk to Dr Gordon. And if you choose to take that leap of faith, you won't regret it, because who wouldn't want to take their life back if they had the chance? If you are feeling like Amanda, you're not alone. There is help for you in the Menopause Movement membership. I want to help you transcend your symptoms and live your best life. To discover how you can become a part of this life-changing community, go to menopausemovement.com.